This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney. Today, as always, joined by Perry Goldstein and... We will be talking about the Packers 2020 opponents post-draft. So I think it was our second episode very early in the Packs, which she said career. I don't know what you want to call light it. Ban. Yeah, the light. That's a better term. Back in the, uh, the origin stories of Packs, what she said in our lifespan, we broke down the pre-draft pre-schedule release 2020 opponents. Now that we know, the schedule now that we know some of the free agents that have signed various places and all of the teams have gone through their draft it's time to talk about uh, a revisited 2020 opponents um we'll just start with week one perry packers at vikings noon game on sunday what mm-hmm. a way to start off the 2020 season it really is um, it's going to be exciting for sure. I don't know what it's going to look like. Yet. There's going to be fans. So going to be empty in that stadium with more fake crowd noise. Like <laughs> always. I don't know, but I, I really, really like that. We're opening up against the Vikings away. I think they're a really young team. They've had a lot of turnover and the chances that they've cohesively put that together by week one are pretty slim, like not knocking the Vikings at all, just that situation and with the offseason that we've had and they have such little time together, I feel like it kind of cancels out being away a little bit for us um, because people feel like the Packers need it a lot, but we didn't make a ton of change. Like, I think we're still a pretty cohesive unit, our main pieces. So I feel like we might be more ready to go against the Vikings. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, so I normally am not a huge fan of division games early in the season just because they mean so much and if your team doesn't have an identity until like the first quarter of the season has passed it's really hard to have a win or a loss on your record to a division rival when your team is still kind of meshing especially with this weird pandemic offseason that is unlike anything we've seen Uh, but that said of course they're opening against the Vikings and then at home at Lambeau against the Lions so once again for what feels like the third consecutive season there's two division games in a row um but yeah I think the Vikings like you said they're a really interesting challenge early because this is such a shortened condensed off season with young guys trying to acclimate themselves to the playbook that defense looks a lot different I know the safeties Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris have 
stuck around uh, Harris getting the franchise tag, but Jeff Gladney's brand new. Um, they drafted Ezra Cleveland on offense. Not sure if he'll start right away. Justin Jefferson filling in for Stefan Diggs. So there's a lot of learning curve associated with a lot of the Vikings. And I think they got worse on defense. I mean, they yeah. gained Michael Pierce, which broke my heart in the moment, but Linval Joseph, uh, Trey Waynes, just a couple names. You know, that defense looks a lot different now than it did when they were a dominant force. So it's really interesting. I think it's a really good opportunity for the Packers to get hot, especially like you said, if there's no crowd involvement. You know, what this season could look like without crowd noise is really interesting. I think that they're going to be expecting a lot of rookies to start right away. And betting on that isn't, I think, I think it's a pretty risky bet. Um, Like, yes, Justin Jefferson's your first round pick. He should start. You hope that he contributes. But the chances that he fills the hole for Stefan Diggs right off the bat is very, very slim. Um, And that's okay. He shouldn't be expected to. But at the same time, like, that's something that we can take advantage of. Same with Jeff Gladney. Like, he's likely going to have to start. And week one up against Aaron Rodgers, like he's going to get picked apart. And that's just, you know, he needs those reps. Of course, like he's a rookie again, you can't expect him to be this all pro corner, but those are just the kind of things that I think we're going to go in and um, dissect and take advantage of. And it'll, it'll, I think work in our favor, but I don't know. I really like what they did in the off season anyway. So if they put it together, like they're probably going to be our biggest competitor in the division, no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, I love Justin Jefferson. He was one of my top three, I would say dream picks for the Packers in the draft. Um, I think he has a really high ceiling as a wide receiver, but we also on the flip side of that coin, can't forget about Laquan Treadwell, who was drafted by the Vikings in the first round a couple of years ago and Kevin white drafted by the bears. So just because a player is picked in the first round at a skill position, you know, they still need time to acclimate into an offense. So especially, you know, we keep going back to this uh, virtual off season and kind of how the pandemic has shifted our perspective of things, but especially teams that have new coordinators, new coaches, I, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and Mike uh, Patton talked about it last week in their pressers and said, like, how lucky are we? that this happened in 2020 and it didn't happen last season when we were all new and we were trying to teach a brand new scheme, trying to introduce ourselves to players through the virtual program. At least now this Packers team is going into year two. Most of the core pieces are exactly the same. They're just building off of the offensive foundation that they established last season. So to not have a ton of rookies for the Packers to kind of bring up to speed more as guys they can use at the rotation makes things really interesting because it feels like they have a leg up on some of these teams that do have a lot of pieces that are younger. And I think that's a good segue for the lions going into week two um, with Jeff Akuda, who will have to be a starting corner right away for the lions. Um, They brought in free agents, Jamie Collins and Danny Sheldon to now join what I call the new Patriots. Right. Desmond Trufant, they drafted Deandre Swift, which I really liked for them opposite carry on Johnson, but still a lot of new pieces to try and acclimate into Detroit. Yeah. I, I feel like Detroit lost some good players and also gained some good players. I feel like they have a little bit of a like neutral standing in my opinion um, in terms of they got better or worse. Um, But that's not to say like they gave us a run for our money last year. We were never ahead in a game. We somehow still won both. Like they, you know, we can't really, I know that, 
the Lions tend to be a little bit of a joke in the division, but like we can't really laugh when we struggled against them. And we struggled against not just like Matt Stafford, but David Blau. And Matt Stafford likely is going to be back this season. And I think he's a great quarterback. Um, you know, he's he's good. And we've always kind of struggled against him, especially with Kenny Galladay still is that deep threat. Um, like we've seen we've seen our players get burned. So I, I don't really want to sleep on the lions. Um, I love that it's going to be home, home, home opener always has um, what I imagine to be a very special feel. So I don't think that this is going to be a game that we lose by any means. Um, but I think that, you know, with some new pieces that you mentioned um, a really, really awesome. I love Jeff Okuda. He's going to be a great player. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be a closer game than people expect. Yeah, now I'm all sad thinking about the Packers home opener and the potential of not being there for that. But um, I think you, I think you nailed it. I think you hit on all the talking points here. That this is again a team that is the Lions. Always feel like they're one year away, and eventually they're gonna get their year where they're gonna be in contention, and that could very well be this year. We don't really know that. I thought that they had a solid draft for what the team was. Like you said, Matt Stafford's coming back. Matt Stafford is excellent when he can play up to his potential and he's got really good talent around him on offense. The defense has kind of plug and play players at any given moment. Their defensive line has improved. It looks a little different now that Mike Daniels is a free agent that Ashawn Robinson has moved on. Who am I? Oh, and snacks is gone. Snacks is gone. So there's, there's a lot of moving pieces for so much of the NFC North. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, these first two weeks are going to be really interesting to see like any new season. It brings the change of kind of where your team stacks up against the rest of the league. And I think the Vikings will be a test because they're the Vikings. I think the lions will be a test because they're the lions. It's two division games, but I think that the true test for kind of how this Packers team stacks up in 2020 will be week three at the saints on Sunday night football. I think that's really where we'll kind of get our first sense of what this Packers team can do long-term in 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, two division games is always a big deal. And I think if we can come in strong and start two and O going into a saints game, um, I think we'd feel a lot more comfortable. There's also, you know, we're, we're all talking about what is our, you know, defense going to look like against the run. We have to go up against Alvin Cook. And week two, we have to go up against what I think is going to be a pretty good tandem in Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. So I'm personally going to be looking at, like, how do we do against them going into the Saints game against, like, there's not much to say about the Saints, right? Like, they're a great team. They stayed a great team. They're going to be contenders. They have Alvin Kamara. They have the best wide receiver in the league and Michael Thomas. Drew Brees can still play. They added Emmanuel Sanders, like, they, you know, they're a powerhouse in the NFC. They're going to make a playoff push again. And so I think the first two games are really going to signal to me, like, are the Packers in contention with the Saints? Are they playing well? Are they going to be able to stop Alvin Kamara? Are they going to be able to stop Michael Thomas? Or, you know, are, are we in for a test? Because we're going to be on the road in the Dome. The Saints play extremely well at home, just like we do at home. So, um it's going to be, it's like you said, it, it's really going to show whether the Packers are in, in it or not and, and where they stack up in the NFC. 
Yeah, when the schedule came out, it just made so much sense that this was a Sunday night football game. It didn't feel like it could fall anywhere else on the schedule. Monday night, Thursday night, they just don't have the same impact that Sunday night football does. And Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers, Michael Thomas versus Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara versus Aaron Jones. You know, this is, we talked about it already, this is going to be the test. And I think if you looked at the Saints roster, and I think we said this, you know, episode two of Pax, what she said, the Saints don't have holes on paper. And they didn't have holes going into the draft. But what they did was they still somehow got better. You know, they allowed themselves the flexibility to not draft for need, draft for want. So they got their center of the future who can also play guard in a pinch. They added Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. And I don't really think they needed him before free agency. They have Jared Cook. So that is a team that I think we're all expecting to make a deep playoff push. So like you said, you know, this is a litmus test for the Packers, how they measure up against a team like the saints, especially in away game, because they have some pretty intense away games coming up on the schedule in the Buccaneers, the 49ers. We'll talk about all that, but these, the first quarter of the schedule is no picnic and it really doesn't turn into a picnic until like week nine or 10. And even then, picnic probably no. not <laughs> yeah um but yeah and so- i think yeah and i i think i mean we're also doing back-to-back primetime games so you know we go we're going home after this game which is great i think we'll need it but like we're hosting the atlanta falcons again on monday night football i guess we get an extra not really an extra day a little bit of half a day extra rest from sunday night football but i mean i feel like the falcons they always, you can never count them out, even when they had a kind of a, a iffy season last season. They always seem to bounce back in some way. How do you feel about them coming up to Lambeau after playing the Saints Monday Night Football? Well, I'm glad that the Packers aren't going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium because that turf, I mean, the Falcons are fast. And if there's one thing that I think we can all agree right now is that the Packers defense lasts a lot of that speed. Um, I know guys like Jair and Kevin can cover. It's not like the 2016 NFC Championship game all over again. But the fact that they're coming to Lambeau and playing on grass, I think, does make a difference. Um, The Falcons, I mean, practically their entire offense is first-round picks at this point. So the defense could use some work. Oh, do we have to uh, announce to our listeners that there's a siren so you're not getting pulled over? Yeah, I apologize. It's just the recording. It's just New York. (laughs) It's just New York City. (laughs) But yeah, so the Falcons, you know, their entire offense is loaded. The defense is young. Um, You know, they drafted A.J. Terrell. They got Dante Fowler in free agency. Um, So the the defense is going to have some growing pains, I think. So Aaron Rodgers might have his opportunities there. But the offense is just phenomenal. That's going to be such a good test for this Packers defense. And I think kind of that's the the theme of the first four weeks of the season is these are some high flying offenses. Probably. I think it's safe to say, right. That all four of these offenses are better than their defenses going into that first quarter of the season. I think you could make that argument. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Saints are pretty even, but yeah, I think we'll know more maybe about the Packers defense than we do about the offense. Once this first quarter of the season's over. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at that offense between who they have already and who they added, I mean, well done. Uh, and this is like, 
I mean, we already had problems covering tight ends last season and we got to go up against Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst. Like that's a really, really what you don't agree. No, I'm, I am agreeing. Oh, I just feel like they're both like pass catching tight ends who block pretty well. And like, they're just, you can swap them. I just imagine us having a really hard time covering them. I mean, we can barely get one, um, you know, Todd Gurley, who knows what he's gonna look like, but if he's back at all to his somewhat regular form, I mean, defense is going to have to stop the run. So I agree. I mean, I'm glad it's at Lambeau. I think it gives us a leg up, but I think it's going to be one of those games. That's like a field goal. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's another good point when you brought up Todd Gurley is just, again, these running backs, I don't really think that you can be a professional running back and be considered a slouch, but you've got Delvin cook. You've got the tandem of Kerryon Johnson and Deandre Swift. You've got Elvin Kamara and I guess Taysom Hill. Is there a joke there somewhere? Um, Always always a Taysom Hill. And then you've got Todd Gurley. So we'll kind of, I think we'll get a really good sense of what Mike Patton envisions this 2020 defense looking like, because he did say that in 2019, a lot of those defensive snaps ended up going to the edge rushers because there was more depth there than on the defensive line. So guys like Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, I'm pretty sure Mike Patton called them walk around uh, defensive ends, but just guys that can kind of roam over center and then, you know, take control of that gap. And he did emphasize in his presser that he's still not really focused on playing a lateral defense. He still wants to attack and push people back. And that's, that's what they're going to have to do against against these running backs because these first four weeks are yeah. going to be really interesting for this Packers defense. It's going to be fun, too, to watch our defensive backs go up against some of these amazing wide receivers. I mean, we got Michael Thomas and then Julio Jones. Um, and I, it's going to be a serious test. I mean, Kevin King's on a contract year. Jair is, I think, in kind of that, are you elite like we think you are or are you just really good? Like, yeah. of course, you know, I, I think going up against wide receivers like this is that's the test. Um, I was most excited about the DeAndre Hopkins uh, little duo there, but obviously DeAndre Hopkins are not playing him anymore. <laughs> we'll get to the Texans <laughs> later. But but my point is is that I think it it's a test for the run defense, but it's also going to be I think a real big test for our corners. So I know this isn't technically an opponent, but how do you feel about? having a bye week week five because I know that it's very controversial to have a week five bye. At first I was really um adverse to it. I was like that sucks. But then when I see where it's placed in context to the games, um I actually appreciate it a little bit because we're coming off of two primetime games that's that those are intense um and a Monday night game. We get a bye and then we're on the road um and we have arguably our hardest stretch four week stretch. So I think having rest before those four games is actually going to be a really big, um, like advantage to us, you know, hopefully we stay healthy, but if the guys need some rest before those four games we're about to talk about, I, I actually think it, um, it could be good. Yeah, I agree with you. At first I was like, wow, week five is super early. Um, but they're coming off, like you said, two really challenging games. Um, they have three of their next four on the road, and although one of them is a Thursday night football game and then they get kind of a mini buy before a home game, you know, that sets them up pretty nicely knowing that they're doing a lot of traveling and this really daunting stretch after the Thursday night football game is over. So it's kind of like get yourself through these four and then hopefully 
as a, as a unit, you've become more cohesive and you can really kind of hit your stride going into the back half of the season. So coming out of the week five bye, the Packers are traveling to the Buccaneers, which still kind of surprised it didn't turn into any type of primetime game, but that would have been three in a row for the Packers. So I guess I can kind of see it maybe from that perspective, but the Buccaneers had about the weirdest off season of any team. They had the most significant changes. I think we had talked about like Cam Newton going to the Bucks in our original pre-draft show. So Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, this is crazy. Perry, what do you think? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I don't know. I mean, I think with the Bucks, like the focus is so much on Brady and Gronk and I get it. I get why. Um, but again, that's a 42 year old quarterback and a unretired 31 year old tight end. When I feel like the focus should be on the serious weapons they have on offense that the Packers are going to need to stop, which are Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard. Like that's a good offense. And Tom Brady is no slouch. He's still a fantastic quarterback with, um, you know, a new strong tackle interest in Wurfs to protect him. Like they did a lot of things this off season that I think could be really good. Um, and I think stopping that offense is going to be challenging. Yeah. I mean, before the Packers found out that they were playing Tom Brady, that was still a game they circled on their calendars, knowing, like you said, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, they add Rob Gronkowski, which is just interesting. I mean, I think that his connection, he wouldn't have come out of retirement if it wasn't for Brady. So whatever juice he has left, obviously it's because he wants to play with Brady. And if you asked a guy like Jacob Westendorf, Tom Brady's not good anymore, so it doesn't matter. You know, maybe they should have drafted somebody who could grow with these receivers. But if you need a serviceable play caller with exceptional knowledge of the NFL to get you over the hump and into the playoffs, Tom Brady can still be that guy. So I think what the Buccaneers did, especially with Bruce Bruce Arians, is they just pushed all their chips into the table and said, even if we give ourselves a two-year window before Tom Brady retires and we have to start over again, we have to go all in for these two years. So, I mean, if you're going to bet on an older quarterback, he's the best bet. <laughs> and I hate, you know, I hate when people think game manager is kind of a negative way to mm-hmm. describe a quarterback, but like, he's the best one you got. And so he'll know he'll be able to read the defense. He'll know, you know, what the best plays are. Bruce Arians is a great coach too. Like I think if anyone can get leak out a few extra great years of Tom Brady and a really explosive offense, it's Arians is up for the task. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't get any easier then because after the Packers play the Buccaneers, they then travel to Houston to take on the Texans, another away game back to back weeks. What are your thoughts there? Because my only thought is that they took Ross Blacklock and I'm upset about it. I was gonna, (laughs) I have on my notes, most notable rookie Ross Blacklock, sad face. (laughs) Did you know that Ross Blacklock's mom is a JJ Watt fan? Of course she is. That's amazing. (laughs) Now they're teammates. I love Pretty stories adorable. like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the Houston Texans are. I, I, they, I think I don't think the they team, know what they are. They don't. <laughs> Bill O'Brien needs to like pick a lane, pick a job, stick with it. Um, I don't know. They changed so much this off season, so it's hard to predict. I mean, they just lost the one of the best wide receivers in the league, um, so that's never a good look. But you know, I mean, Cobb, David Johnson, Fuller, Stills. Aaron Fells at tight end. Like it's not, it's not a bad offense. Um, I think 
you know, they lost DJ Reader, which is a big loss on their line. Obviously, they they acquired Ross Blacklock, but again, a rookie is probably going to need some time, get reps, like, you know, get get rotated in. So they feel worse to me, um, which is such a shame because I loved Deshaun Watson. And, and if you want to talk about wasting someone's prime years, I mean, hello, this is like a really nice example. But um, I think that, I think this is a game that we can win. Yeah. Deshaun Watson to me feels like the prime example of you have a really talented quarterback on a rookie contract and you need to capitalize with all of your pieces while you aren't forced to pay this person because Deshaun Watson, if he, if he were to hit the open market would yield some pretty significant money. And you know, this is the, the problem that teams run into every season. Do you want to go like the Rams? And when you have Jared Goff on a cheap contract, load him with weapons, get to the Super Bowl, And then this is your one shot. Or, you know, do you pay a guy like Aaron Rodgers money, Kirk Cousins money, (laughs) and then you don't have as much flexibility to sign talent around them? You know, so it is sad for a guy like Deshaun Watson because it does feel like the team took a step backwards and they have been close. They were in the playoffs. They lost a really, a game they should have won against the Chiefs. And, but I mean, at least Aaron Rodgers will get to go say hey to Randall Cobb. When yeah, I I uh, I listened to an interview with Randall about how uh, you know he lost the last game against the Packers and now he hopes you know, this time maybe he'll get the upper hand. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't see they don't scare me. You know, when sometimes you go into someone else's home, like the Saints, and you're like, all right, this is a little bit of a scary game. Like this could go really badly for us, like the 49ers. This mm-hmm. game doesn't scare me. It feels very winnable. Um, it feels like not a game we should ever sleep on, of course, but like we could go in there and dominate um, as long as we can honestly get to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. There's other AFC South teams that I have circled on my calendar for, you know, the, the scare factor. And I don't think the Texans are that team this year. Um, Then the Packers, you know, come home, play the Vikings. We talked about the Vikings already, but now it'll be midway through the season their secondary should be developing. Justin Jefferson should be acclimating to the offense. The thing that is so intriguing to me about this week on the schedule is that, you know, it's a noon game Packers Vikings. Then they have a really short week to go play the Niners and the Niners and Seahawks are playing this same Sunday. The Packers and Vikings are playing. So the division rivalry there, you know, this is a really tough stretch for both teams. And maybe the 49ers don't think it's a tough stretch, but for the Packers to have the Vikings at home and then a really quick turnaround to the 49ers feels like a lot. And, you know, I'm thankful that they have that Thursday night game, even though I wish it wasn't against the 49ers because it gives them kind of a mini buy to decompress and get their bodies back for the second half of the season. Right. And I think like both teams, the 49ers and Packers are going to go into this thinking like, whatever happened previously with their division and wherever they stand in the division, like this is still really important if they're both in the playoffs. Like this is a game that like, if you win could mean a home buy or not, you know, it's if, if I think both teams are going to still be very good. Nothing about the 49ers off season tells me they're not going to be an absolute powerhouse again. Um, so I think we're still going to have to do all the things that we know we need to do to beat them. I, I, I don't know. I mean, their front's still really nasty. They still could run the ball up our throats. So um, I think mostly it's just going to be 
mental. It's still just going to be mental. Yeah. And I think if you look at the 49ers, you know, they had one of the best rosters in the league going into free agency. They unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately for the Packers, but they lost to Forrest Buckner. They lost to Manuel Sanders. And then who do they draft in the first round? Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. So they filled those holes. I know they filled them with rookies, but again, cheap contracts, talented players, you know, they may have set themselves up for better success with guys like Nick Bosa, who are still dominant at such young ages with a temporary or a potential fifth year option, you know, for looking long-term. So the 49ers can compete. And Melissa Jacobs said it when she came on the show, I think the biggest question mark for the 49ers is what does Jimmy Garoppolo have in him? Can he get the team over the hump? Because we know their running backs can do it. We know that their defense can do it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, is he the future or is he just good for now? Um, which is a very interesting question to ask of a quarterback who just brought you to the Super Bowl. Um, you can make an argument that he personally didn't bring them to the Super Bowl that those other pieces you listed did. Um, and I think that's what they'll need to find out. I mean, I just imagine our guys coming into this game with a vengeance. Like I imagine Z hyping everybody up on the plane ride over saying like, we need to walk in there and dominate the poop out of them. Cause I can't curse on the show. <laughs> swear on packs, what she said. We got to dominate the shit out of them. Um, So it's just, it's, it's going to be hyped up. We got to just like get past the fact that like all week leading up to it, everyone's going to be hyped up about it. It's okay. You know, we'll see how it shakes out. It's smack dab in the middle of the season. Um, You know, and then like you said, we actually get a little bit of extra time, some rest after a very important game. And then we go home and we play arguably one of, the worst teams in the league. Um, so it is a little bit, like you said, a mini buy, um, you know, what do you, what are you expecting from the Jaguars? How do you feel about them coming up to Lambeau? What's it going to take to beat them? This team is so fascinating to me because a couple seasons ago they were in the championship game. You know, it felt like they had a chokehold on the Patriots for a while and everybody was so excited because we were like, Oh, here we go. Somebody knew in the AFC. And then they have just completely lost all of their luck. It seems like players are being traded from the Jaguars left and right. It's similar to the Texans, you know, so fitting that they share a division, but players aren't happy there. They're looking for their ways out. They got Joe Schobert in free agency, who's a really solid middle linebacker. I know Packers fans were interested in him before we got Christian Kirksey. Um, drafted LaVisca Chenault, who is a big question mark, but if he can, prove you know healthy for that team immediately provides a spark on offense Uh, they got arguably one of the top two corners in the draft and cj henderson caleb on chase on the defensive end so they're taking steps in the right direction but when they get rid of the players that they get rid of like jalen ramsey you wonder if they're taking steps in the right direction or if they're kind of evening out again right that's what i was thinking too is like you're shopping out great players for capital and yes, you might be drafting and acquiring other good players, but that's not improving you at all. You're just going backwards and taking another step forwards. I think, I mean, I think the biggest question mark for me is, is Gardner Minshew a starter or was he a fluke? Cause obviously they feel like he's a starter. They traded Nick Foles to the bears. So they're going with Minshew. They feel he's it. If he is, 
great. That changes this entire team. Um, but if he's not, then you're back at like your Blake Bortles situation where you might have a solid defense, but no one to lead the offense. Yeah. And I mean, I like Minshew mania because I, I like chaos in some scenarios. And I think that he's, he's the perfect Jacksonville quarterback, right? Like he right. might not make sense in new England or I don't know if he'd make sense for the Packers, but he is Jacksonville to a T and I just, I want to see how this plays out, but I'm also afraid that if it doesn't play out well for them, they'll be, they'll be in the running for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes of 2021. That's kind of how this feels. That feels like it's a season riding on Minshew's shoulders and if it doesn't work out, they don't care because they could arguably land one of the best talents to come into a draft class in Trevor Lawrence. So really interesting game. I like when we get the warm weather teams to come up to Lambeau because I think it's an interesting dynamic. I think back to um, probably like, well, four seasons ago at this point um, when the Packers had to travel to the Jaguars and it was like 90 degrees. It was just awful. The Packers were in their green jerseys and uh, Devonte Adams beat uh, Devon house um, for that touchdown. But just, you know, anytime that the Packers have to go to a hot weather team, I think it's interesting to see how those teams react in the middle of the season. And I don't expect us to have a ton of snow in Wisconsin in mid-November, but it is Wisconsin. <laughs> we very yeah. well could have a ton of snow. Um, after the Jaguars, the Packers stick with the AFC South and they go to the Colts. And if you remember my comment from 10 minutes ago about an AFC team, an AFC South team that I circled on my calendar, this is the one it's the Colts. Why'd you circle it? <laughs> See, I don't know if you wanted to jump in or if you, thank you, Perry. I circled it because this team is so different. You know, they got Phillip Rivers and I think that's a fascinating dynamic because this team obviously felt that they were really close and maybe they didn't think Jacoby Brissett was going to get him over the, them over the hump. Maybe they think he still can, but he needs a couple of years to develop. I mean, he sat behind Tom Brady. So now sitting him behind Tom or Phillip Rivers only good can come out of that, you would think. So give him a couple more years, see what he has behind Phillip Rivers. They drafted Jonathan Taylor, who if you're a Wisconsin fan you, or if you're not a Wisconsin fan, you know what Jonathan Taylor can do. Um, they drafted Michael Pittman Jr., who everybody thought was a target for the Packers. They signed DeForest Buckner to go along with a defense that already has some really nice pieces. They have T.Y. Hilton. So I think they the all would be really good. Yeah, they also drafted Xavier Rhodes, like roads are open, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I love that this season is so many, um, like potentially huge future hall of fame quarterbacks against each other for maybe the last time in their career. Like there's, I mean, Rogers gets to play Brady breeze and rivers in the same season. Like that's, I don't know. I really love that. I think that's exciting. I mean, rivers when rivers is on is on, um, you know, unfortunately he was like off all of last season. And then the one game, you know, he plays us. Yes, He's of course. fantastic, of course. But like T.Y. Hilton's a great receiver. Michael Pittman Jr. will probably start. I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about him because I wanted him to be a Packer. So like, I, I really think he's going to be great. Um, and they're just such a wild card to me. Like we play them so rarely. I don't know. <laughs> that's I know that's why you circled it but it's yeah it's gonna be interesting I think it'll be a good game I think it's gonna be one of those games where like depending on how the Colts are doing throughout the season 
And they're like red hot. Obviously, you know, no one's going to look over the Colts, but like sometimes you kind of forget about them. At least I do. I don't follow the AFC as much. And then you don't want that to be like a game you look past. Like the Chargers last season, everyone was kind of like, oh, maybe they're looking past the Chargers and that's why we lost. Like you, you want to go into this game locked in because it's also at a really crucial time in the season. Yeah, this season is so difficult, you know, and had there been a pandemic in any season, we would say it was difficult, but I had three games on my calendar and I planned to go to at least two of them. And one of them was the Colts game because it's four hours away from me. So it was a super easy drive. So like you said, to think about the history here with Rodgers and Brady one last time, theoretically, unless they play in the playoffs or something, uh, Rodgers getting to play uh, Phillip Rivers for maybe one last time because they won't see each other again for four years, barring a Super Bowl. There's a lot of like really interesting matchups and it's so fascinating to think about what a season could look like without fans in attendance for these games. And, you know, we've talked about, yes, we'd rather have a football season than no season, but to lose that element of like that little shred of history is it's weird. And I don't think that any of us really know how to wrap our heads around it. Or we, I don't think we should be able to wrap our heads around it because it's just different. Sometimes I just agree with you. And all I have to say is, you know, I agree with you. That was a great point, Maggie. I'm with you. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, maybe by this time in the season, um, fans will be able to be there. You know, maybe we'll start out with none and, and then we'll be able to go. It's, it's really hard to predict. I, I hope we get to go. I mean, I was planning on going up to Lambeau. Yeah, we were going to hang out. Yeah. We were going to chug beers in the parking lot. Just kidding. I we weren't going to chug so beers. <laughs> we weren't going to chug beers. <laughs> I mean, I'm never chugging a beer again, at least not putting it on Twitter, because apparently I chug too slow. So we can't Sorry. all be David Bakhtiari. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, speaking of Lambeau Field, the Packers will play the Bears there right after they come back from the Colts game. Um, and this is the first time they're playing the Bears all season. So pretty crazy that it's Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving weekend, you know, the Sunday night football game for Thanksgiving, big weekend for the Packers. They always seem to play the Bears around Thanksgiving. Yeah. My dad's birthday is almost always on Thanksgiving. So it's either a really good day or a really bad day for us, <laughs> depending on the result of the game. But yeah, it's super weird to have two division games and then kind of coast through all the way till late season and then see the Bears. It is. It's like, and we get the Vikings over with before we see the Bears once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is so interesting, like strategically for us as well, because we'll have so much like tape on the Bears to watch before we go into this game. And I mean, who knows? Like Trubisky might not even be the starter by now. Like we might have to be going up against Nick Foles. It's very possible if Trubisky has a very Trubisky-like season that he gets pulled. So like that could totally change our strategy depending on what quarterback we're playing. And I mean, I don't know. Are we going to see a lot of four tight end sets? Like what do you think? Well, yeah. In my notes, I have it's Jimmy Graham in the year of the 2000 tight ends because they brought in Jimmy Graham they drafted Cole Kmet with their very first pick in the draft. And it's just, what are, what are they doing? What it's are they confusing. Doing? But I think they're deep. Honestly, I have to say, like, I think their defense is still pretty good. You know, they're like, we've got, they've got Cleo Mack, which no last season, he wasn't the same as he was 
the first season he was with the team, but he's still disruptive. And they acquired Robert Quinn, who I actually think is going to be a great tandem between the two of them, like really powerful. One of them eats the double teams. You got to worry about the other one. Um, even though Robert Quinn is a little bit older, um, they still have Akeem Hicks and Robertson Harris. They still have Eddie Jackson and Roquan Smith. Like this is no slouch of a defense that we're going up against. And um, obviously the rivalry is very strong. So it's going to be a test for our offense for sure. I genuinely believe that Robert Quinn was one of the best free agent signings for any team for this offseason. And it's for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. They got to keep a lot of their same key pieces. Um, Danny Trevathan is still manning the middle of the field for them, despite him being a little bit older. Um, Yeah, I mean, it sounds... I'm probably going to get made fun of for saying that I feel for Bears fans, but it just feels like they have so much wasted potential here because this defense is so good. And I feel like they're in the same kind of realm that the Texans are in right now where they should have been able to capitalize on having Mitch Trubisky and having a rookie quarterback. They spend so much money to rejuvenate the defense, to bring in pieces on offense. And then the players that they bring in are guys like Jimmy Graham. And no disrespect to Jimmy Graham, but if you're spending that kind of money on a player, you'd think you'd spend the money on a player who like an Austin Hooper, like you just stretch the dime a little bit more to get a player who can be a key piece for a very long time instead of a one or two year player that you hope can make somewhat of a difference for your offense. And yeah, if, I mean, if the bears are good with Nick Foles, then they're good, but they, again, you know, their defense is going to keep them in some games, but like the Jaguars, you wonder if they're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And for Packers fans, I hope that's not the case, but Anytime you have the youth at quarterback, it's something to consider capitalizing on. And the Bears just remain a question mark because they got better on defense, but they were already really good on defense. They should have done more to change the dynamic of that offense. Yeah. I mean, they added Ted Ginn Jr., veteran wide receiver. Like, I'm actually a pretty big fan of his. I thought he did really well in, in New Orleans as like a kind of wide receiver two, three level player. So him and Allen Robinson, I think are great. It's just, it's just a matter of like, can your quarterback get them the ball? Yeah. I mean, I don't think like any of the pieces, defense or offense, um, maybe, maybe a little bit more, like you said on offense are needed, but it's, can your quarterback even get the plays off? Can they, can they get him the ball? You know, like it's, it's hard to take them seriously until we know what their quarterback situation looks like. Yeah. And then, you know, the Packers kind of find themselves drifting into, I guess you could call it the back nine. I'm not a golfer, but the very end of the season, we're not necessarily in the last quarter. So we have five games to go, but most of their games to wrap up the season are at home, which is really refreshing for a team that has ended on the road so frequently. And I know they end against Chicago in Chicago, but four out of their last six are at Lambeau. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but if any of the season gets pushed back if they're playing their road games and their home games in January instead of December. This could be huge. So starting with the Eagles now, coming to Lambeau after the Sunday Night Football game against the Bears, what are your thoughts on the Eagles? Because I know they were one of the Packers' losses last season, but this squad already looks different. It does. They got so much faster. Like, that's the one thing (laughs) about the Eagles Uh that I just, I'm like, holy moly. Like, they added so much speed on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I, I think like, okay, we can talk about the wide receivers that they drafted like 
you know, and acquired. But to me, when I was looking at this team, I was like, their defense is so much better than it was last season. And yes, like they, they, their season tanked a little bit after they played us, but they can still very much be the team that beat us at home. Um, you know, they acquired Darius Slay. Obviously, we're familiar with him. We've played against him for years, but you know, pair him next to Nicole Robbie Coleman. I know he's most famous for a DPI call or no call DPI, but like he's a really great cornerback. And they're both young, but they're at that like prime levels. Like we talk about Preston and Z. Like they're young, but they've played. They're young, but experienced. And I think they're going to be really good at the back end. And then Jalen Mills is replacing Malcolm Jenkins. Okay. But he's going to be transitioning to safety apparently. So that'll be interesting to look out for. But I just think that like, their defensive tackle trio is something we're going to have to look out for. Like, are we going to be able to run against Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, or, and Malik Jackson? You know, those those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about when I look at this team. Um, you know, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, Javon Hargrave again. And I think it's because we did so much research on defensive tackles because we wanted one so desperately to sign with the Packers. But Javon Hargrave, immediate difference maker for the middle of this uh, Eagles defense. Like you said, they have a bunch of key pieces kind of floating around the defense already. Jalen Rieger interested me. Like, I don't necessarily know if he's exactly who I thought the Eagles would take, but they have Deshaun Jackson who is getting up there in age, and that's not any knock on him, but he does have an injury history now going into the tail end of his career for sure. So to take a young guy, Zach Ertz, um, they just, their offense has so many potential weapons if they can get all their pieces clicking. And I think that again, a lot of that comes down to Carson Wentz and he is injury prone. That has been a knock against him early in his career. I mean, the Eagles won a Super Bowl with their backup quarterback, which, you know, that was the exception to the rule, not the norm, but if he can stay healthy, he's arguably top 10 in the league, at, at least top 16, top half. So there's a lot to like there and assuming that he can play to the caliber that we all think that he can play. I would expect them again, of course, to make a playoff push and getting that at the end of the season is going to be really interesting because this could have more implications again on that seating for, you know, the, the NFC. And I think that's something kind of interesting to note too. You know, you have the Eagles, then they go to Detroit, but uh, five of their last six games are against NFC opponents. So if the Packers want to get on a roll here, especially with the new playoff seating taking place with an extra team joining, yes, it'll be easier to get into the playoffs, but now only one team gets that by. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are the kind of games that you need to seal up, especially at home. So the Eagles are a, a team to watch out for. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting that you point out. This is sort of like starting with the bears and then you know, we're on a stretch of NFC games and we're in a prime position to win. Honestly, all of these games, I don't, I don't see a single game here, especially with warm weather teams coming up to Lambeau in December. I don't see a reason why we can't end the season really hot and have a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. Um, given that, you know, we are, in the playoffs, which I think we will. I think that brings up such a good point. And then, you know, like we go, okay, so we go to Detroit away. Detroit away doesn't scare me so much. And then we get to come home and we host the Panthers. And I know that the Panthers gave us a little bit of a run for our money last season. I know you were there with the snow. (laughs) It looked amazing. Um, But this team is super, super different. I mean, new head coach, new quarterback, 
very different team than we beat last season, but still with some of the same threats. Yeah, their offense is so interesting. And interesting, I feel like, is my buzzword that I say all the time because I think everything is interesting. But you have Teddy Bridgewater, you have Robbie Anderson, you still have Christian McCaffrey. Um, So that defense has a lot, or that offense has a lot of potential. You know, if Teddy Bridgewater lives up to the Teddy that we saw for the stretch where Drew Brees was injured, he could be their guy. You know, like maybe the Panthers are onto something here bringing Teddy in and their defense got better. They have Derek Brown, uh, Utergross Matos, Jeremy Chin. So they had a really solid draft on the defensive side of the ball. And I know they lost players like Luke Keekley and, you know, some of those more notable names for that Panthers team. I remember us talking about this in the pre-draft show, just saying that this Panthers team doesn't look like the Panthers team because Cam Newton and Luke Keekley are not playing. And those are kind of the most recognizable faces for the franchise outside of Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, I mean, I think that I'm excited to see another snowy game. I hope that this is, I hope it doesn't come down to a uh, one yard line goal line stand kind of situation with CMC, but yeah. It's going to hinge honestly on, cause like, like you said, they have the pieces and I think it's going to be contingent upon can Matt roll coach this team. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. we don't know, we don't know until we see, but the good thing too, is that this is at the end of the season. So we'll mm-hmm. have, you know, tons of tape on Matt rule potentially to watch and, and, and learn from. But I think that's always the, the question when you bring in a new head coach, especially a head coach that's never coached in the NFL before. The only upside that I'm seeing to, this game is that if there are no fans in the stadium, then I won't have a five hour drive home in the snow when my car is consistently trying to skid off the road and my friends are asleep in the back seat instead of helping me navigate in a blizzard. I'm not still upset about it. Not calling your friends out. For no, that. I'm not. They don't oh, listen to this. They're not going to hear this, but, but uh, yeah, it was traumatizing. That sounds horrible. Well, that's Wisconsin. You know, you just roll with the punches here. You live there. You chose it. I I was born here. Okay. (laughs) I I like it here. I'll stay. You're born into it. I was molded by the cold. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after the Panthers, the Packers stay home one more week against a Matt LaFleur familiar face in the Tennessee Titans. You've talked a lot about the Titans and, you know, this dynamic running game with Derrick Henry. So what are your thoughts now wrapping up the season against a big bodied running back in the cold? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get one run. You're getting, you know, these two big, big guys back to back Christian McCaffrey and, and Derrick Henry. Like, I hope our guys aren't bruised up and tired after Christian McCaffrey because they got to get ready. Like, I think, you know, it takes a little bit away from the home field snowy advantage when you have a guy like Derrick Henry who can truck through you. Like, you know, we hope that AJ Dellen can be that person too, but um, I know, I mean, we think (laughs) he will be, but you know, I think uh, it's again going to be another, it's a primetime game, which I thought was so surprising. Um, But I guess it's the Matt LaFleur, Vrabel, you know, whatever rivalry, Tennessee old team game. I mean, the key here, it's, it's just stopping Derrick Henry is the key to this team. If you, if you can stuff Derrick Henry, um, you know, you, you can, you can stop the rest of their offense. It's, it's, he's the, he's everything. 
Yeah, I'm trying not to say interesting here because I'm trying to expand my horizons as an English major and not use clutch words. But Ryan Tannehill getting a contract, you know, that was well-deserved. And they don't have Marcus Mariota at this point. He has now become a Las Vegas Raider. So just the dynamic of the team has obviously changed from last season. And we saw that, again, they were a playoff team. They looked really good in stretches. And, you know, we almost saw the Titans in the Super Bowl. So while this won't have playoff implications for, you know, seeding in the division as far as a head-to-head a head-to-head statistic, we will see a winner and a loser come out of this. Could shake up the playoffs because I think the Titans are still contenders, even though the Colts got better. You know, they're in a pretty difficult stretch with their division. But if the Packers lost that game, it could knock them a couple seeds down at this point. So that does make things... I'm trying not to say interesting. (laughs) That does make things difficult for a Packers team going with a weakness against the run. And, you know, by week 16, maybe there won't be a weakness against the run. Maybe that'll become the team's strength because they know how to utilize Gary, Zadarius Smith, Jonathan Garvin, Tim Williams, Preston Smith, uh, Kingsley Kiki. You know, maybe all these guys will have taken leaps. They'll be in a rotation that just really works. Maybe Ty Summers and Christian Kirksey will be a duo at inside linebacker and they'll be able to play the run better, but we won't know it's week 16, but you know, going into it, Derek Henry's the red flag, of course. It's always, uh, this time in the season is always really interesting because like the Packers could be for, you know, have won 13 games already. and, And then this game is like, okay, you know, we already have our home home field advantage in the playoffs. You know, we don't, we don't need to, or it could be they're 10 and six and this is so huge. And we're about to go on the road to a division game after this, we need to win this one to, to feel secure. Um, and so, and I feel like in recent years, like the Packers late games are, are usually pretty meaningful. Um, so even though, yes, it's, it's an AFC team, um, I think the win itself, like you said, for playoff implications and seating for us, especially with the new structure, um, is going to be important. So wrapping up, you know, we have one team left. It's the Bears. The Packers haven't in the last couple seasons gotten lucky enough to host these away games when they matter or host the home games when they matter. And when they do host them, they're out of playoff contention at this point. So going to Chicago to close out the season Any thoughts on that? I mean, I know we talked about the Bears already, but a lot of history has hinged upon Packers versus Bears week 17. So just on that alone, it's it's significant. I think no matter what, you're going to get a good game when these two teams get together. Um, Depending on what both of them look like by the end of the season, who knows? Like it could be a blowout. It could be they're both vying for the division title. It's all there. It's all in the cards, especially in this division. Um, no matter what, though, it's going to be fantastic. It's January, which I didn't even know the regular season went into January, but apparently it does. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's historic. I would love to go to that game, except I'd probably freeze my ass off. Yeah, I mean, like, those Lake Effect games are really hard. When Mark and I went to Cleveland a couple of years ago, it was awful being on Lake Erie in December it just like, it creates like a wind tunnel effect. (laughs) So it just, it chills you to the bone, but, and I've heard that Bears fans are assholes. So I don't really want to go to Soldier Field and have stuff thrown at me. You heard that? I've never heard that before. 
my God, hey, everybody. Perry's being sarcastic in case you can't tell from her gestures in the, in the episode. But yeah, I don't want, I don't want beer thrown at me. I'd rather. Yeah. But what a Perry. sweet way. What a sweet way to close out the season. If you win, you know, it's like a cherry okay. on top of an ice cream sundae. Yeah. Uh, that's how we're going to close the episode. Perry, you are the cherry on top of the packs, which she said Sunday. Oh, stop it. <laughs> if people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? So you can follow me. My The handle that I wanted all this time is <laughs> available. So you can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. I know it's such a crazy change. So creative of me. But new handle, Perry underscore Goldstein. As always, please follow PWSS Podcast on Twitter as well to hear all the news um, we're going to have some guests on soon. We're going to have a lot of exciting stuff coming out. So follow the podcast for the updates. It's really bad that it took me a second to remember who our guests were. But we, she's right. We, we will have guests coming on very soon. Um, again, I'm Maggie Loney. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. Also podcast with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. By the time this episode drops, I will have posted an interview with Ty Summers. So check it out. Inside linebacker for the Packers. Pretty happy with the way that turned out. Anytime we get to talk to Packers, it's a good day. So if you're a Packer and you're listening to Packs What She Said, come on our show. But that is all the time that we have for today. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!